The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. I've just gotten back to Maine from another trip to the Red Rocks country of Arizona. And while I was there, I had a fascinating conversation with Janice Goff, who has been on NDE Radio several times in the past. Most recently, I think, on our October show when we talked a bit about St. Francis and the blessing of the animals and animal communication. This time, the discussion ranged further as Janice talked about being receptive to a relationship with all aspects of the world. The more open we are to communication with nature and the spirit, the more we can be a channel for light and love and healing and the direction uh, we've collectively set for ourselves. Janice, welcome back to NDE Radio. Uh, It's good to hear your voice. (laughs) Thank you. Beautiful day in Arizona. (laughs) Terrific. Janice, you told me two unrelated stories from your own experience, one about rain and one about burrows that exemplified our potential for relationships with a much bigger world than most of us understand. Uh, the first had to do with Hurricane Katrina. Um, how do you happen to be in that storm? Um, my mother still lived on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and I was um, encouraged through a phenomenal energy to pack up and leave and get down there, and I didn't know that there was a hurricane going on. Um, but when we got down there, it took forever to get there. Um, but anyway, that's why I was there. Was I was going to get my mother and take her off the coast because she lives only a mile from the beach and take her to my sister's house. But we were not able to leave. the. There was too much traffic. So we had to stay down there and weather the storm and wait till we could get off the coast to get back to Arizona. Mm. And meanwhile, uh, your son Matt was uh, waiting for you back here with no way of communicating, I guess. That's correct. He he was here running our business and had no idea if we were dead or alive. All he knew was what he saw on TV, and um, it was over two weeks before I was able to communicate with him that we were alive wow. and everyone was okay. Very emotional time. Yeah. How did your your mother's house fare? Um, Dad built that house on the tallest hill there on the on the coast, and we got three foot of water where everyone else around us had twenty five foot of water. Wow. And you know, so we were we were actually all okay. Okay. Now now the uh, the really amazing part of the story. Not not that that's not amazing, but is yet to come. To, uh, tell the audience what happened when you uh, came back and when you made a visit to the Hopis. Well, um, it was probably two weeks, maybe three weeks after that, after we were able to get back home. I had a friend who was making a trip to Hopi and had two other companions, and we had planned to um, stay overnight up there. Um, we went to our host house, which we, I know, uh, personally, 
and went to her home, and we were visiting and looking at all their wares. Everyone comes and brings their kachinas and their crafts for us to see and that sort of thing. Um, Suzanne, the, the gal that invited me, she happened to mention to our host, Rowena, that um, I had just returned from being down in Katrina, and then everything began to happen. Um, Rowena jumped up. She made a phone call. All kind of family members, her family members and community members came, and we're all just sort of stunned. We don't know what's happening. And Rowena then made the announcement that they had been praying for me to come and to bring the water. And um, she (laughs) pulled me up out of my seat and marched me outside and told me that because they had been praying for me to come, that um, I had to participate in the completion of everything that they had been praying for. She took me out in the backyard, and she began to rant and rave and tell God that, um, look at this. They they had been in a drought for, you know, six, eight months. You have enough moisture in the ground to grow weeds, but not our crops. Hmm. This woman we have prayed for has come to bring the rain. And she then began to turn her hands and swirl in um, sort of a vortex sort of swirl with her body and her hands. And all of a sudden, we were in the middle of a dirt devil. And I've, I, I'm just kind of blown away by the whole thing. I've never been inside a dirt devil to see it from the inside out. It was... <laughs> it was... <laughs> It struck my heart really deeply. I was just almost ready to faint. It was so electrical. You, you should probably then, tell, <laughs> tell people that don't know what a dirt devil is, what, what it looks like. Um, <laughs> well, it's that swirling dirt you see out in the desert. The winds pick it up and turn it into a funnel. So it's like a tornado. You're right in the center of a tornado looking at it from the inside out. It's it's electrical. It's just wow. totally electrical. And this was just a product um, of her of her moving, <laughs> waving her arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her intent. It's all always all about intent. Yes. And when she dropped her arms, the the dirt devil fell, and it fell in a dirt circle all around us. She stepped over that circle and told me to follow her. She took um, a root out of her pocket and um, stuck it in my mouth, and it was the nastiest thing I've ever, ever consumed in my mouth forever. <laughs> I taste shapes, and that's one of those weird brain things, but it it did the most horrible triangles, and oh, it was awful points. It was horrible. Um, and she told me not to chew it and not to swallow it, but to go out to the edge of her property by the fence and say prayers and tell God everything that they had been praying for. And she said, you'll know what we prayed for when you begin your prayers. So I did. I marched out there to the, <laughs> to the fence line 
And she left and went back inside. And I said my prayers, and she uh, said, then you come inside when you're done. So we continued our visit and left an hour or two later, um, went to the hotel, and it was late by then. And when we got up the next morning, we were in torrential rains. We knew we had to get out of there. The desert up there, when it rains, it floods quickly, and you can be stranded on those dirt roads and uh, just desert landscape real quickly. So we left as fast as we could and drove four hours in torrential rains to get back here to our area. Um, we we had never seen rains like that. It was it was shocking and it was very much needed. Um, it just didn't stop. It it continued to rain for I'm not going to say forty days and forty nights, but it continued <laughs> to rain for at least a week. It, it was it was shocking. Yeah. Have you ever figured out what? Uh, how this how that worked? I mean, there's so I, many areas of the world that are in <laughs> drought right now. <laughs> Lee, you've talked to me enough to know that <clears throat> I, I don't have a lot of answers. Um, I don't know how it all works. I She continued to talk to me about intent and continued to tell me that in our, in our prayers and in our request, to God, the universe, whoever you call upon, it's all about intent and to align your body and your soul with everything you're asking about, and you cannot help but become that. So she facilitated me to be able to be a carrier of their message um, with the water because I still had all of the the memories and the experiences in my in my heart uh, that would just make me cry every time I thought about it. I was still very close to the whole experience of being in Katrina in in the yes. you know the eye of that storm. Oh, I think that's that's a a good partial explanation for why uh, sh- they had been waiting for you. They'd been waiting for someone who was. Totally inundated, saturated, overwhelmed by saturated uh, is a good word. <laughs> yeah, by by the by Katrina, by the storm. It's amazing. It, it okay. was amazing. Mm-hmm. Now we have <laughs> the second story that you told me, and this one. Uh, I guess we should start with um, the fact that you were taking an animal communication class, and then suddenly a phone number appeared to you. Um, I had, actually, I was giving um, animal communication uh, 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 lectures kind of thing that weekend, and I was writing a... I was going to say you've been teaching it then. Yes, yes, I was teaching classes as well um, and doing animal communication, actually as, um, as a service to, you know, humanity and the animals, but... Um, so I had been in Omaha that weekend, you know, doing this, and I, anyway, I was writing in my journals 
late one night, that that last night on a Sunday night, and looked up in the air, and there was some numbers, and I ignored them, and I continued to write my journal. I looked up again. There's these numbers again. So I wrote them down, and I'm trying to figure out what they are. Are they Social Security numbers? What What is this? And it's about one thirty-two in the morning. Um, I finally, just by synchronicity, picked up the phone and decided to call that number and see if it was a phone number. Well, mm. someone answered the phone, and he said, who is this? And I, I said, well, this is Janice. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. And he said, so what are you calling about? I just got home from Phoenix. And I said, oh, oh, well, why don't I call back at a better time? He said, no, tell me what you, tell me what you're calling about. And I couldn't think of what, what, what was I calling about? I had no idea. And so animal communication came into my mind because that's what I was writing about. And I said animal communication. And he kind of lit up and hollered in the phone. Nobody knows about this. How do you know about this? I just got home from this board meeting. No, no one knows about this yet. And I said again, maybe I should call at a better time. No, no, no. Well, it ended up being Wynn Zog, who is the uh, person for a an animal sanctuary in Chino Valley, and he had set up um, an animal communication class with Jerry Ryan who's a world-renowned animal communicator out of California. And so we visited, but we also connected, and I eventually, I had never been to Arizona. I did decide that was my open door to make a trip, and I did come out here for that class. Um, Wynn and I connected. We've I love Wynn. We've been in love ever since. He's He's my... Brother, soulmate, and uh, he continues to run an animal sanctuary. So when we left Omaha, we moved here. And several years after that, um, the BLM in California, in Death Valley, was shooting the burrows in Death Valley from helicopters and airplanes and killing them. And we organized a rescue to go out there and rescue the burrows and bring them to the sanctuary. Um, I was invited to go as the animal communicator there. We brought back, um, I think it was like 89, I mean, uh, yeah, 89 or 90 burrows mm. and brought them back here to Arizona. Um, all kinds of things happened after that. We... Um, I think where we wanted to go with this was the, um, oh gosh, there were so many gifts and things that happened during that time. Um, maybe it was a year and a half later after we brought the burrows here, maybe it wasn't that long, the burrows started dying. And Wynn called and said, in tears, and said, I need help. I've already buried 14, 15, 16 burrows. They're wow. dropping like flies. I don't know what to do. And so I loaded up immediately and planned to go over and stay four or five days. Um, 
on the way over there, I continued to try to get a message from anybody about what's happening and what are we, what do we need to do for you? You know, you just, you, you, you're under duress, but you try your best, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, on the way over there, it's about a two hour drive. I got a message to call Kenny and tell him, and Kenny's my husband, to tell him he needed to come as well. And I told him on his way, he agreed, I told him on his way he needed to stop and pick up Pedialyte. And I used to use Pedialyte for my calves um, who were sick, and I don't know why Pedialyte came to mind, but I told him to pick up as much Pedialyte as you've got cash for, and he agreed. So after I got there and I kind of surveyed what was happening here, and now I'm in the presence of all the boroughs, I had to go off by myself to see if I could get some clarity on what what's taking you down, what what is it that you need, what's happening. And I got a vision, a full-blown screen vision of fire blowing across the desert. And with this fire blowing across the desert, taking all the scrub brushes and the grasses and the herbs in the fields, um, the burrow herd was uh, in front of all the smoke and the fire getting away from the fire, but pausing the herd long enough to be saturated with the smoke. And then the vision ended. Now, I'm left with this picture still not knowing what does this mean. And my question to them came back, what do you need? And then it reverted back to them standing in the smoke. And the smoke has come from the burning of all of the herbs in the field and the grasses. And I realized they were getting medicine out of that smoke. So with my experience in herbs, the only herb that came to mind that would help with this whole issue was mullein. Now, over there in Chino, we don't have a lot of mullein that grows. But I jumped up and told Wynn, I need your truck. And I drove all over Chino Valley looking for mullein. I found some on the sides of the roads. I jumped out and pulled it up and blessed it, threw tobacco out, thanked, you know, the earth for the mullein (laughs) there, drove on, found a few more. Um, And then I came upon, out in the middle of nowhere, a ranch house who had a fenced-in yard full of mullen. I mean, full of mullen. And I ran in, knocked on the door, told her, I said, I need these herbs. And she said, you can have all the weeds you want. Please clean my yard up. And I did. I cleaned her yard up. I loaded the truck up with mullen. And by the time I got back, because I'd been gone several hours, we had already lost several more burrows. And Kenny was coming in about an hour after that. What we ended up doing, I told Kenny I had mullen. He said that was perfect. That was what he had gotten as well, that we needed mullen. 
And I said, now what do we do with it? How do we, you know, do I make tea with it? How do we get it in them? How do we get it to them? And he said, we need a tent. We need a big army tent. And Wynne said, I know all the militia here in, in Chino Valley. I know where to get an army tent. So he went and brought a huge army tent home. We spent several hours setting it up, and I'm still thinking, now what? You know, are we supposed to get these burrows in this tent? What What, what are we doing now? And Kenny just kind of took over and said, we need some 50-gallon drums. When had those. We went and unloaded them from rusted, you know, farm parts and brought the 50-gallon drums into that tent, and we proceeded to make a smoke. Um, now it was my job to go out and tell all the boroughs what they're supposed to do. And this is like, really? You're going to tell these boroughs to go into this tent with this little green door into this dark hole and get the smoke? So I did my best, and I gave them pictures Animals communicate best through pictures. If you want to change behavior to get a message directly to them, give them pictures. Project pictures in your mind of what you want to see, and behavior will change. And after that, the burrows started filing into the tent. We all stood there squalling. The mother burrows were rounding up all the babies and nudging them, making them go in the tent, the burrows went in the tent to get the smoke. And after that, it was about nighttime, it would be feeding time about that time, when they began to file out, we knew that they were done, and they went and stood in line to be fed um, and wait for their grains and their carrots and and this was not happening. Their feeding times have been of no interest to them. Now they're hungry. And we're just walking around there feeding, crying, just feeling so blessed that whatever happened here was a, was not magic. It was a miracle. And we participated in seeing that. Um, we did not lose any more burrows after that. It solved whatever it was they needed. It inoculated their system and improved their um, system internally and built them up. Whatever happened, happened. And we did not lose any more burrows after that. Um, it was quite, uh, it was really emotional. It still is for me to remember that. Um, and everyone that, and we had other people there from Chino that was participating, taking care of the bodies and uh, running backhoes. Um, we were, it was quite, uh, there was a lot of us, and it, yeah, was, quite. it was quite an emotional time for every one of us. <laughs> I, I can imagine. And, you know, I, Janice, I love these two stories together because one is water and one is fire. And you're dealing with these basic elements that are so necessary, not only to Burroughs, but to, to all of us. Um, now, uh, Wynn has a, a book that you participated in writing. Tell us oh, about yes, that. Oh, yes, he does. He has, and it's still available. It's called Circle of One. 
it has um, messages that have been written down and put in this book um, of over 230, 250 of the rescue horses and burros. Um, quite a few animal communicators have been have participated in putting this together. Absolutely beautiful book, beautiful, loving messages and pointed um, get off your ass and get moving messages kind of thing. <laughs> they're they're very verbal <laughs> about telling you, you know, you know, you're destroying this. Stop it. Um, mm. You know, get you want us to recreate the world, and here you're destroying the world. What you know? Come on. Um, anyway, the the messages are very heartwarming. It will change your idea of the companion animal that you're living with and know that there is a connection there and a heart that uh, for communication that you just didn't have any idea of. And some of the fascinating things are that we don't necessarily think of animals having NDEs. They do. We had many animals that were near death that we lost that were revived and came back with stories. Um, we had many animals who had been there before that died and left their bodies and then came back to be there again. And there again, I've talked about how the animals uh, have the choice of coming back where they were the happiest uh, in in another life. Mm-hmm. So it's all there, and the animals, you know, with that... And uh, how many times have I said, it doesn't matter what body you live in, we all have the same energetic experiences, and we just need somebody to translate those things um, and to bring their stories, you know, to the world, uh, to add to the energy that there is life after death, and there's so many gifts that are brought back. The animals bring gifts back as well when they have NDEs. And we, we've experienced those in person, and now we've experienced them in writing in this book. So it's a beautiful book. It's twenty four ninety five, And if anybody ever wants to make a nonprofit donation, donate straight to the source. Anything that comes to the sanctuary, Circle of One Sanctuary, goes straight to the animals for their feed and vet care. And many, and these, this is a lifetime sanctuary. Many of the animals, uh, have, you know, severe things. Anybody else would have put them down. But these animals are here to bring gifts to the earth and they'll be here till they're no longer in their body. Does Circle of One have a website? Um, I'm sure it does. I can't think of a specific website. I know Wynn has a Circle of One page up on Facebook. Okay. And because now he's running the sanctuary by himself, he it's hard for him to have enough help to, to get cover done. everything across the board. So, sure. you know, we do what we can and... Uh, we donate to uh, uh, the feed store in Chino Valley, you know, to help keep 
speed going during the winter and all that. Uh, but like I said, any any donations or any book purchases, the money goes straight to the feed and care of the animals. And okay, it is tax deductible. I gather the publisher is this uh, Hacienda de los Milagros. De los Milagros. And uh, Hacienda is, you know, house. Milagros is miracles. So it, this, it was a, uh, originally the sanctuary was, was called Hacienda de los Milagros. And that means the house of miracles. Wow. Well, you've told us two miracles today. Oh, one last question about uh, the reincarnation of some of these animals. Uh, did you say that some are reincarnated humans who chose to come back as horses? Yes, yes. And some of them were very, very well-known people, um, very profound well-known people, and their messages were right in line with their way of thinking. You know, the scientists, the Native American chiefs, um, presidents, uh, family members, fathers and mothers of people that we know that are participating in the sanctuary. Um, yeah, real real amazing things. And some of those stories are in Circle of One? Yes. Nice. Uh, Janice, I think we are, yes, we are just about out of time for today. Um, let me, to the audience, if anyone wants to get in touch with Janice, feel free to email me at the NDE radio website at TalkZone, and I'll be sure to forward emails to her. I want to thank you, Janice, for being uh, with us today and for this fascinating discussion. Always awesome. Just wonderful (laughs) to visit with you, Lee. (laughs) Okay. Love your shows. Love all of your shows. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you, you you always have something um, incredible to add to this program. If uh, anyone out there would like to listen again to this or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org and hit the Past Shows button. And for more information about the work of IANDS, check out their website, iands.org. And tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.